Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Baranchini, and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Hello, my darling. Nick Alxerod and Annie Craybaum are two beauty editors who have the new podcast, Eyewitness Beauty, featuring interviews with experts on all things beauty, including food, medical advice, workouts, treatments, and more. One of their last episodes was how ketamine can treat depression. It's absolutely fascinating. When I worked at People's Revolution as an assistant, Nick was an editor at Women's Wear Daily and later Elle, who I would send samples to. He then became editor of Into the Gloss and three years ago founded clean beauty brand Necessaire. Annie, who was a freelance beauty writer, was hired by Nick years ago as a writer and editor for Into the Gloss. She eventually became a creative at Glossier and we met because she cast me for the Body Hero campaign a few years ago. In today's episode, we talk about their journeys into the beauty world, waxing, their favorite products, and how to gracefully use your past experience and knowledge to transition your career into the next phase. Enjoy. Hi, guys. Yep. Hi. Um, Hi. Nick and Annie, do you guys want to give a little quick bio about each of you? Because you both have had really interesting, wonderful careers thus far. All right. So um, I guess, where do you want me to start? Like all all the way back, my first job ever. Um, Okay. I, I guess I got... I worked retail all through high school and college. I was an American Apparel retail worker for for like. And you also, didn't you also have a really successful Etsy business? Yeah. Well, after college, I'd interned during college at um, a couple of fashion companies. I thought I would get a job at Alexander Wang. I interviewed to be his personal assistant um, and made it all the way to, to the interview with him. Um, and didn't get it, but I think that was for the best. Um, and yeah, then I moved back to Austin with like my tail between my legs and was like, all right, what am I going to do? I don't want to get a real job. I just want to go to like date boys and bands and go to their shows and live in bands. Um, and I started a vintage Etsy shop, which is, I guess, every millennial like founders, uh, storyline, right? Like didn't Sophia yeah. so do mm-hmm. an eBay store. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I got like a crash course and like, you know, having a business on the internet with, it was actually ended up being really helpful. And then, um, I was reading Kat Marnell's articles on exojane.com. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Um, oh, yeah. Did I you ever read an icon, and I don't think a lot of people... It was yeah. such a big deal to us during that time, but I don't I don't think, like, a lot of the world knows about Kat Barnell and, like, really needs to read her book and do that deep dive because she is iconic. She actually broke... She, I remember she broke a really big news story about... Um, Plan B not being readily available at a bunch of pharmacies really? in New York. And it ended up getting like picked. Yeah, she so she was really like an intrepid reporter. Um, but and I say this with all due respect, she was um she loved yeah. angel dust and like <laughs> so um I, I figured like okay, if this like woman who does meth all the time and is on pills all the time and is like wholly unprofessional can have a career as a beauty writer. Like, I guess I can too. <laughs> and so I pitched my first beauty article and then they like, were like, do you want to move to New York and start the beauty offshoot? And then I, that's hold on, hold that's on, hold, crazy. on hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't even know this. So you pitched, you, you were living in Texas and you pitched one article and they like moved after to New York? getting your pitch, they were like moved to no, New York I, to I, run our. I maybe website. did like ten articles after that, and they never paid me. I didn't know that to ask to get paid. I thought it was an honor to write for them. It, I mean, really was very much like uh, I think taken <laughs> advantage of, and I don't think that was. I think part of it was on purpose. Part of it was um, uh, just internal disorganization <laughs> on their team. Um, but I think that was also like the wild, wild west of like internet content. I mean, this was like the beginning at the beginning of all of this. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Nick, and then I moved to New York and Nick read my stuff on this beauty website and so Annie's like most famous, she's being a little modest, but her most famous article was where she, am I not not allowed to say it? Are you trying to like (laughs) make it disappear in your Google search results? I mean, yeah. Um, she re- she recreated Lindsay Lohan's mug shots no! with like different makeup looks. <laughs> and funny, <laughs> but that wasn't that that wasn't the one I that like wrote, actually I got figured me out super how to, like, excited. It went viral. I I figured out like this was back when you could still like have an article go viral. So I would just like do stupid. I I I it was a be- it was the vertical was beauty, but really I I think I've always been like I want to yeah, make people yeah. laugh. Like I just wanted to like be funny um and so I was doing these weird beauty articles but I've also I love beauty so it, it made sense at the time and yeah Nick obviously had a good sense of humor about it because he contacted me to come be the editor of Into the Gloss um which I felt like Didn't totally you also out of use place. like ketchup packets you use like ketchup oh, packets as lipstick you or said something that there <laughs> no, was one like gross. You know, you made you wrote one article about like doing your makeup with like only like things from that you found at the airport or something no, that no, that was actually a really good tip, and I stand by this tip: is to take uh, emergency uh-huh. packets that you can use if you're feeling sick, but you can also use them as a physical exfoliant oh, while you're traveling. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's really soft. It's nice. <laughs> Try it. Vitamin C yeah, too. That's so, brilliant. There you go. Duh. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Oh, and I also found out that you could use rolling papers oh, blotting yes, papers and now Fenty yes. Beauty really took that and with it, it. so they can send they can send me a check whenever they're ready <laughs> um I always whenever I'm like at the club or because I just well, not anymore because I'm old but like I'm so greasy that I would always use the um toilet paper or like the toilet bowl liners like pull a fresh one out and blot my face with that too 
You want to feel better about what you eat, but sometimes it's hard to prepare healthy meals that taste good. Also, you're busy. With Sakara, you can reach your health goals without sacrificing taste. Sakara is a nutrition-based company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and they are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. The menu of creative chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners changes weekly, so you'll never get bored, and it's delivered fresh anywhere in the U.S. Along with delicious meals, Sakara also has daily wellness essentials, like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. To boost results, try the best-selling Metabolism Super Powder, an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. It's something I take often. It tastes like chocolatey heaven, and it's so easy to travel with. Sakara has received rave reviews from Vogue, Goop, The New York Times, and more. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash best, B-E-S-T, or enter code BEST, capital B-E-S-T at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash B-E-S-T to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash BEST. So how long were you the editor of Into the Gloss? Well, it was like, I had this weird overlap because right when I, I, I think it was like the old guard and ITG editorial team. And then there was this like in-between period where then we started everything, everything turned to like Glossier. And I, so for a period of time, I was actually for a lot of the time I was there, I was straddling both. So, so I was head of all of the content and like a lot of the like creative decision-making and then eventually the products uh, at Glossier, it was kind of this like weird, like ever uh, ballooning set of responsibilities. Eventually I like didn't, I stopped looking at into the glass because it was too stressful <laughs> to like try to do both. So I even, I stopped reading it like halfway through working at Glossier because I, I just, you know, you have to, too otherwise you you're, you would just look for stuff yeah, to edit, you know? <laughs> I went into the gloss first started. I used to, um, I would vet products by just typing something into the search bar and seeing how many people talked about it. <laughs> I still do that sometimes. Yeah. And so, and where are you, what are you guys doing now? Like, are you doing freelance work? I took some time off and like traveled a ton after I left into the, glo- or left Glossier, which was like two years ago. And then I did some consulting and now I'm working on a top secret project that I'm starting with one of my best Wonderful. friends that will, yeah, yeah. So it's launching next year. And of course, during what an podcast. interesting, um, <laughs> like when we started our careers, it was like the internet was like the wild, wild west. It was like this whole new thing, like blogs had just started. So it's a fascinating, really cool time. And it's been very cool watching both of you and like Nick will get into your career too. just make these like really smart pivots instead of just sticking to one thing. I kind of seeing what the market is doing and like those shifts and being ahead of it, um, which I think is fascinating. Nick, do you want to tell us a little bit about your? Well, I first want to uh, tell your listeners that I first met you or was introduced to you when you were Kelly Catrone's assistant at People's <laughs> Revolution. And I would e- I was probably an editor at Women's Wear Daily and would like request samples oh 
from people's rev and um you would like coordinate the samples and i would like your receive name, the it samples. was such a big deal to like see so your, that was in like, when i started working there i didn't know any editors i had never done pr before and it was like all of a sudden it was like these names would pop and i would be like okay jade frampton important name like nick axelrod like important name like <laughs> It was like, because Robin Berkeley, I'm still so close with across the whole office would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You don't know fucking anyone. I was like, sorry, 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 sorry. I would like always mess up. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and so kind of like on, on the tip that you were talking about, like I started in media as an assistant at Women's Wear Daily, and I um, was managing the fashion closet when the financial collapse happened. And I remember sort of thinking, sitting in my desk chair, that like all of my like hopes and dreams of like becoming a magazine editor in chief no. were like completely irrelevant. And like there was just like this idea that you could ascend the ladder at a magazine mm -hmm. was like just no longer viable. And around the same time, Emily Weiss had been uh, assistant at W Magazine. And so we became friends, you know, mm -hmm. as like assistants do in like the, in these worlds, like, you know, checking in samples and like, you know, bringing like <laughs> luggage downstairs for like photo shoots in Egypt or like this is pre-recession. Um, and, you know, she, I was super supportive when she started into the gloss and she was posting a few times a week. And at one point I had at that point moved to L magazine where I was a senior fashion news editor. And I, I remember sort of sitting down with her and, and we would always talk about into the gloss and like how much potential it had and different ideas, uh, to take it further. And I remember saying like, why don't I just leave my job and come to your apartment and like, let's like, I'll be a force multiplier and we'll, you know, blow this out of the water. There's so many ways that we can take uh, the brand and like take the content. And so I joined, I like left my job at L. I kind of say that that was like the last time I had, uh, you know, oh corporate health insurance and went to her studio and we started like, you know, publishing content every day on Into the Gloss. And the way I kind of looked at Into the Gloss was it was sort of like the New York, I like would pitch it to people I wanted to write for it as like the New Yorker of Cute. beauty websites. So, you know, I, I was really drawn to having outsiders or non-beauty experts write about beauty because I thought that that was the most interesting take. Because I think what Emily did, which was so, you know, kind of groundbreaking in a way was start talking about beauty and covering beauty like in a more in like a less mm -hmm. jaded less like canned way like a lot of beauty editing and beauty pages and magazines were all those like you know uh mm -hmm. nail polish spills and like swatches of you know lipstick on a white piece of paper and like it was so detached from like the actual mm -hmm. sort of personal style element of beauty that um what she did which was exciting was like showing it on real people showing showing you know by going into people's closets like how you know, how personal these beauty products were to people and how every beauty product really was about a bigger story of something that happened to them in their life or someone that they were close to or inspired by. Um, and so I wanted to kind of further that, that theme and that message by having, you know, people who didn't come from the beauty world kind of observe it and make kind of 
drawing their own conclusions. And so we got edit, uh, writers like Edith Zimmerman, who was one of the founding, she was the founding editor of The Hairpin, which was a big deal at the time. And Molly Young, who's a New York magazine writer or editor now. Um, Irene Alexander, another writer I'm really uh, fond of, to come in and, you know, participate and sort of create this beauty ecosystem, which was a little bit more... It was a little bit more all over the mm-hmm. place than like strictly beauty, which I, which like is kind of, and it was high, low, you know, so we would have everyone from like Anya Rubik to, you know, some like person. Yeah. That, that what was always so great as a, as a reader, I, you didn't, it was aspirational without being elitist. You know, we, we did try to really create an inclusive space to talk about beauty and like the different, you know, we had men, we had women, we had, um, you know, mm-hmm. every, every sort of person. I think, I think that that was also new because like there was a very, before that, like a very, uh, set way of like reporting about beauty. As I said, like, it was very like, you know, for the Alexander Wang show or for like for the Mark Jacobs show, like <laughs> this makeup artist like did a smoky eye and like that was sort of like what beauty reporting was. And I think we like I had I want to I mean, well, this is probably this would probably get me canceled now. But I had Molly Young um, get fitted for a red wig and go undercover at the redhead, con- uh, like a redhead mm-hmm. conference, like for redheads to go undercover and like kind of figure out like what it was like to be a redhead and like what kind of products were sold at this redhead conference. Um, so like I was kind of, I was always drawn to like investigative reporting. I left into the gloss. I took a few years off. I did some consulting. I started a video series for Yahoo called I Yahooed Myself, where basically the concept was, you know, celebrities Googling themselves and me kind of using the their search results as like a way to like make them talk mm. about their personal life and their projects. And it became super successful. I started having meetings in LA about TV stuff, um, which none of which panned out because it turns out they don't need another um, <laughs> white gay guy talking about fashion and beauty on TV. And, but I, I discovered that I loved LA and I came out four years ago and I started Necessaire with my co-founder, Randy Christensen. She was an Estee Lauder vet and super, super high up at, in, in the Lauder corporate ranks. And she and I started the brand, started concepting the brand in 2017. We launched it in 2018. You know, I'm, I'm in the process of sort of like transitioning out of a full-time role so that I can focus on fatherhood in a lot of ways. I know. (laughs) But, but, but I think it, it, it is interesting that the three of us like did kind of figure out a way to pivot from like more traditional media to more untraditional media, which like is something that is unique to like to our brands group. too. Yeah, I mean, because it went from yeah. being so elitist, so high end, so, but, you know, so aspirational to then like I, like I think what you guys both did that was extremely pivotal for all of us was take it from yeah Mark Jacobs runway to a cute girl that like works at Lovely Day and like what she wears on her face because I and I think it's also happened at an interesting time where people ultimately like people are obsessed with other people you know I mean it's why Instagram is a thing you know so it was 
fascinating to be able to just read all these articles with some girls who I felt like were very like like-minded. Um, it felt just like you were in like a forum. I mean, it was it's 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 a it was a nice transition to watch all it kind of just everything that was so untouchable. Now we're like, okay, this is ours now, you know, we're not gonna. And to that, to that point, like Annie, I remember you and I like always having lots of conversations with Into the Gloss about the comment mm-hmm. section. This was also sort of like the beginning of the comment section being like where stories were actually being told. And so people reacting to the stories that you yeah. would publish was like part of the story. It was almost like the, big, the and bigger so now story, it, right? I think, yeah. Right. And like now with Instagram, like, you know, Annie and I are both aligned and, and when we're coming up with content uh, for the podcast, like we're look, we're like combing the caption Comments. or the, inst- the, when we're coming up with content for the podcast, we're, we're basically just yeah. combing the con the comments to, to see what people are really like, what, how people are really reacting to when I had my feature produced. on into the gloss, I refreshed the comments every five seconds, <laughs> which I you know number one rules don't read the comments, but I was, so terrified that it was going to be this like, you know, I mean, it was like a, a very direct feedback. Like the readership is so dedicated. So um, it was like the most terrifying aspect of the whole thing. Do you read like the comments now? And like, do you read everything that people write about you? Not that they write a lot, but do you read everything? It depends. I've like... In times that I have, when I've had people try to ruin my life online, the ones that I have read, I hear them in my head every day. Like, and there's like, so a couple like public figures to, uh, I mean, not public figures, but people that you would know and that I know that I'm not necessarily close with, but people who I have a lot of mutual friends with and like work in our industry who have said just the fucking most horrible things about me. And they're people I've never met. And I'll like wake up in the night and like stretch and like adjust myself. And I'll, I'll like see the comment in my head. Like it's time to take the trash out. Like what a, like that's, she's garbage or something. And I'm just, fuck man. Like it's so, it's like so sick that I, so part of me always wants to look, but I can't, it like gives me ulcers. (laughs) It's yeah. It's like masochism. It's bad. I mean, and like, and I think that people that just don't think before they type. Like, I've never made a mean comment on anything. It's outside of my understanding. Um, as a, It's outside of my comprehension as a human being to attack someone else. I don't, I don't find joy in, in people being canceled. That's not something that's... Even people that I've worked for who I've had, like, horrible experiences with, like, I don't find joy in everyone being like, yeah, take it, dip, fuck her. Because I think every situation is wildly nuanced and it's very easy to make a comment about someone when you have no fucking clue what's actually going on. So, but I did like the gloss, it was the glossy <laughs> or the into the gloss stuff. I was very, um, because I trust that community. You know what I mean? It was, it's not like random internet trolls. It's like, it's like our, I feel like it's our peers. Okay, so you and Annie actually, Annie cast yeah. you in yes. the Body Hero campaign, right? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Which, you in put which you a were... lot of 
a lot of trust naked, in people. Right? <laughs> yeah, and he's seen my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you were like you were like telling me to take photos on my phone. You were like, take a photo of me so I can like have this like like BTS. I'm like, Tia, you're like your ass naked. You don't want like oh, I don't want like making photos of you on my phone. I, don't don't like trust me with this. Like, I had come off a red eye. And went straight <laughs> to the studio and like had a coffee, but then I wasn't, they weren't ready for me for like five hours. So I like slept in a conference room at Spring <laughs> Studios. And then I had a glass of wine and coffee. I like speedballed so I could be alert yet chill. And I'm so insecure about my body and I've never been able to lose weight. And it was the, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. How the hell did you do it? If you, if you feel so insecure, like how would the hell did you get naked in front of a lot of people? And like, there was just like no way I could say no. And Annie, the way that the way that you had pitched it to me was so like, she sent me a photo I had post of myself, which now I'm like, that photo would be so controversial because I'm like smoking, but I was in a wedding, I was at a wedding and I had a cigarette in my hand and my legs were crossed and it was all cellulite. Like you could see all my cellulite and like someone took it because it was, I was wearing this like beautiful LPA dress and I was like, that's kind of a cool photo. And I was like, oh my God, all that cellulite is disgusting. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And I posted and said, I had to eat a lot of pasta to earn those dimples. And Annie sent it to me and she was like, this is the vibe we're going for. Like, this is, we just want something that's very natural and very real. And I was like, okay. And she's like, but you're going to be naked. And I was like, obviously it's going to be within good taste. You know, I I knew that it was, I knew that there was nothing that was going to be put out that I was going to be upset by, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a glossier and into the gloss was, a well-respected, well-established company with wonderful people like both of you working there. Like everyone I've worked with at the company has been so lovely and so nice and so well-intentioned um, that I I would never say no. And I knew that it was going to be a big deal. I didn't know it was going to be on that many billboards at, <laughs> at all. I would ask for a lot more fucking money. Because <laughs> it was fucking everywhere. <laughs> and it was crazy because it was... Um, I lived in Venice at the time and it was all over Venice Boulevard and like, or on like Lincoln, like eight of me in a row around the corner from my little, from my little house. And my, I had a woman who would come every other week and we lived in these little bungalows and she would help us do our laundry and clean Maria and is still very close with me. And she was like, Pia, I saw you. I saw your photo. It was like down to her seeing it. Like, and then it was on the side of the Soho Grand, which was crazy because working at People's Revolution, which was across the street, like I lived in the back of that showroom because I couldn't afford an apartment. And then I'm on the building. Like it, it was, and I didn't, I'll tell you this. I did not get one negative comment. I'm sure people were saying it privately, but it, it, I had dads writing me saying, thank you for giving my daughter something positive to look up to. It was Aww. magnificent. It was absolutely wonderful. My husband was pissed, horrified. <laughs> and my dad was like, I'm going to drive around and put paint on all those posters. 
But then you like I have a video actually that I wanted to post when it was his like death anniversary. You sent it to me. You sent it to me at the time. You like joked about it, but then he was that like, was I'm funny. so proud of you, honey. Like that's so cool. So wild. Yeah, I I took a lot of responsibility upon myself whenever I did like shoots, well, in any of the Glossier shoots to make really good selects of the of the models because I've been in that situation before where you like see something come out and you're just like, oh God, like I didn't know I looked like that from that angle. Well, the other option that there was two photos, that other one where my legs are crossed and I'm smiling, I look so thin because (laughs) and I was like, yes, use that. Fuck yeah. And then when- We did, we did use that, didn't we? No, you used the one where I'm to the side and you could like see my rolls. And you were like, it's kind of the point (laughs) is to like show your body. (laughs) It was like to show your body like and what it really looks like. The conversation was, she looks so much Mm. cooler in this one. And this is like more on brand for us than like the other one felt more like, you know, it was a beauty shot. Yeah. Um, No, it was- it was wild. And then I ended up feeling really comfortable because obviously like you were there and it was, I mean, it was fine. So I don't know. I mean, who even came up? Was that, that was totally your concept. Like, how does that even? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, the impetus was like the name of the line body hero, um, which I did come up with, (laughs) Um, but it was like this like active skincare line. And then we kind of like took the word active and like ran with it. Um, And I was trying to find photos of, Oh, and then we we're like pulling um, references from Sports Illustrated's, like they do like a naked issue every year, and then that's no ESPN, ESPN. Or yeah, yeah, Sports one, Illustrated. Of, one of those uh, sports. Yeah, I don't know about sports, <laughs> sorry, um, and I don't read magazines. <laughs> Nobody does. Um, I looked through, and I was like, "Who? We need to find like the female photographers shooting these." And there was one, and I contacted her, and she's the one. She's who so cool. Shot it, Peggy. She's so iconic. Yeah, she's like, yeah, she's. It was really funny having like things like, okay, we're going to change this set. And they're just like all the grips would come in and like not even, you know, when you are in a studio like that, like everyone who works in those places has seen, like that's where you real like, you know, when you work in this industry, you realize everyone has seen everything. So I wasn't uncomfortable by people seeing me um, by any means. I was more so just, I mean, I hate my, like, I hate, like, I'm so insecure about my body and I still am, especially right now. Cause I've like gained some weight in quarantine and I'm just ugh. like, it was so hard for me to lose five pounds for my wedding. I had to do prolon like three times. Like it's, I don't know what I've seen every doctor. I don't, and I'm fine and my body's beautiful and I shouldn't complain about it, but it's something that's very frustrating to me that I've never been able to get my body to a you literally just said that and you're, you like rolled your eyes as you said that. I know. It's something that I really need to work on, especially after doing a campaign like that. Like I should be someone who is more proud. It's just something that I struggle with. It's something I'll probably struggle with for a long time. So it was, it was very important. It was something that was really good for me. And it still is. And I still, I have the, the little, the little um, postcard of the, it's, it, it's on my sink. I mean, I see it every day. So I could remind myself that I did something like that. So thank you. It was like such a cool, such a cool moment. Whose picture was in the New York Times ad? Paloma. Paloma. She's so beautiful. Oh my God. Yeah. I like ran out at like 7 a.m. to the bodega. And I was like, 
<laughs> told the video. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she was also what on like Avenue A on the side of that building. I mean, she was everywhere too. Oh my God. Her, her billboard went up first and it went up a day early than it was supposed to. And literally before they were done painting it, some like, you know, body positive blogger took a photo, oh, put it on her Instagram and like it was out. <laughs> so it was kind of cool that it got that like positive reaction, like straight off the bat. Yeah. I mean, of course, cause it was so, so it's so funny now that it's now when you look at ads for like any sort of body brand or like any sort of like bra company it's like all women of different shapes and sizes and colors and now that's like you guys made that like a standard which I think is fascinating I feel like we I feel like it had been done before and it's funny because I've talked to a lot of like old like admin that are like I was gonna say dumb like I don't get it like and you're just like and it just even like wring their neck because no what Dove did was they presented it as this like problem that like women have to overcome their shame and my whole thing was like no we just need to like put it out there and not comment on it and just make them look hot and cool because that's like that's what's going to move the needle that's like what fashion is that's what beauty is it's aspirational and so yeah it's not about yeah it's not about great yeah it's just just what it is hot and like let's just do that without having to be like love your body hashtag like you know it's just like just be yeah so what made the two of you decide it was time to start a beauty podcast? I mean, I so I've been on the brand side for quite a long time now, and I really missed um, journalism and like asking people questions and like hearing interesting answers. And it's been so cool. You know, we we what we wanted to do was create a beauty podcast that was different than the podcasts on beauty that are out there now, in that it wouldn't you know, be about new launches and, um, you know, new products and, you know, how I built this kind of stories. It would be more looking at the beauty industry as a microcosm for society as a whole and, and looking to the beauty industry to sort of spot trends mm-hmm. that are, are culturally relevant. Um, and so I think it's been, it's been really rewarding to be able to tell some stories that, I like as a, as a brand, you, you you can't tell, like, you know, Annie and I had been talking for a long time about Mm -hmm. ketamine therapy for treating depression, which is an emerging, uh, therapy that they're exploring and that scientists are working hard to make available to more people. And we spoke to the head of Harvard's, uh, ketamine program. And like, that's some, you know, like having an hour with the head of Harvard's ketamine therapy program was something like amazing, you know, as an individual who's like struggled with depression to like have access to that kind of person. And then also just like to kind of brush off my journalism chops again has been exciting. With the internet now just being at everyone's fingertips and people making comments and posts and so many claims, I do think that it's nice to see people who are actually like vetted in this industry and like understand journalistic decorum and, uh, you know, the art and respect of that. And so I was so happy to see that you guys were working on something because, you know, for so long, I've admired what the two of you have been able to do. And I think that there is a lot of space for being able to talk about beauty without saying what your favorite products are. I know. I also love, also I was just going to say like, can you give me like each, I want your top three favorite products. 
Um, right now, I'm obsessed with paleo puffs, which are a grain-free, like, um, not cheese it, but what are like the cheese doodle? It's like a grain-free, cheese-free cheese doodle that I'm obsessed with. So our, I should also preface that by saying that our yeah, definition yeah, of beauty includes health and wellness. And, um, and so it's not, you know, what, what we have talked about and what we will continue to talk about is not just, you know, makeup and hair and skincare, but, but also like wellness trends and, you know, lifestyle trends and food trends that, that are kind of like tangentially related to beauty. Um, that's one thing I'm obsessed with. I'm also obsessed. And I was like thinking last night as I went to bed that I wanted to text my friend who's an investor about this company, but smart sweets. Have you tried them? The ones that look like Swedish fish. So yes, they have Swedish fish. They have, um, sour patch kids and they have starburst and regular gummy bears. And there are like three grams of sugar. They're 80 calories for a bag, which is plenty to, you know, satisfy your sweet tooth. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and like, I'm obsessed with them. And that's to me, like a, a way that I can be healthy or feel like I'm healthier in quarantine because I've like had a crazy sweet tooth is like by eating something that it doesn't have al- uh, sugar, alcohol or like Splenda or anything like that. I think it, you, what are the, what are, how, how do they color it with fruit or is it it's like fruit extra? I think it's fruit coloring, natural coloring. And then they use like tapioca okay, starch and different starches and which are, as long as there's not like a red number. four. No, no, no. It's like definitely on the up and up in that respect. But Andy has good beauty product finds. I have good food finds. Oh, I w- what do you use on your hair? Me? Yeah. Because uh, you have thick hair. Oh, it's my hair is interesting. It's like Jewish hair that um, my dad and I are like obsessed with getting our hair cut and like what it looks like and what products to use. Um, I had a friend who is a hairstylist named Peter Lux. He works uh, with the Wall Group and he works with Florence Pugh and a bunch of other people. And he has really curly Jewish hair too, even though I'm not sure whether he's Jewish or not. And I was like, what the fuck do you do? And he, he like said the words that have changed my hair life since, which were, I come out of the shower with wet hair. I put Bumble and Bumble Sumotech in my hair wet, and then I let it dry. And then I um, like decrunchify it once it's dry and it like keeps a defined curl, but it's not doesn't look greasy and it's changed my life. That's so nice. It's so nice when you can find, I just don't I know. know what to do with my hair. So I would, I'm waiting for that. When you can moment. find that like one thing that like you can just like depend on, leave it. Yeah. Depend on. Fabulous. Annie, three products. Well, I wanted to go in theme and do a snack product. <laughs> because, and I have, I have one that I found that I really like and I bought it on accident. Um, but you know, Oatly, the, oat milk brand they have ice cream uh-huh. and they have a coffee flavor and it's incredible it's so good yum i didn't know they had ice cream they do yeah it's still like 600 calories for a pint it's not gonna <laughs> like to help you in any way unless you're like <laughs> lactose intolerant but um it's so good and so like creamy and so good other beauty products i mean I bring this up all the time, but I wish more people would use epilators and that's, um, which do you know what an epilator is? No, it looks like, um, an electric shaver, you know, like an electric beard trimmer, I guess. Um, but Uh it's actually a, a rotating wheel of 
staggered little tweezers that open and close as the mechanism spins and you, um, you know, roll it up your leg or or wherever you want to remove your body hair and it will pluck all the hairs out. Um, And it works? Yeah, I've been using it for like 10 years on and off. Um, Now I like only use it because I'm trying to be more like respectful to the environment and not use razors. Um, But yeah, I I want more people to use them because I want to just like hear what other people have to think about it. I want to buy one right now when we get off off this call, off this call. I, I'm going straight to Amazon. I haven't figured out how to perfect. Like I, I still will get like pretty gnarly ingrowns and I can't remember cause it's been so long since I've shaved my legs. If I would get the same number of ingrowns from just shaving anyway, but um, that's why I want more people to like try it. So we can talk about it. Oh, I'll do it. Um, Crowdsource solutions. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for this. Where can everyone find you guys? Thanks for having us at eyewitness beauty. Um, on Instagram and on the Apple podcast store or scenario and on Spotify podcasts, eyewitness beauty and email us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com. We want to like answer people's um, questions about beauty. Wonderful. Thank you guys. Thank Thank you. you. And that ladies and gentlemen concludes this week's episode of everything is the best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.